Hi, everybody. Welcome to Swine Doc Pod with Carthage. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson. I'm a partner and veterinarian at Carthage Veterinary Service. And I'm joined today by one of my partners at Carthage Veterinary Service, Dr. Dania Clausen. Dania, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great to be here today. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. We are on episode number four, Dania, um, and I think we've done a reasonable job with the first three of them. Uh, we did one with Claire and then Attila and now Bill, so you got some fairly big uh, shoes to fill, but I think we've got a good topic to, to talk about. You recently uh, wrote an article uh, for Farm Journal Pork uh, on the topic of leadership and advocacy and advocacy, because we're talking about obviously the, the ag industry. And I know you dove into a little bit of social media um, and how we can advocate for our industry and show leadership through social media. Do you want to talk a little bit to our listeners about that topic and what it means to you? Sure. Thanks, Clayton. I think um, when we're talking about ad advocacy or the play on word advocacy, because we're in the agricultural based industry raising pigs and many of our clients, customers um, that we're giving vet help support to are also in grain farming and operations like that. And we're so busy day to day on the farms and we interact within our communities that are agricultural based that we forget there's a whole population outside of rural America that doesn't understand what we do on a daily basis and that are not hearing the story from the people that are actually boots on the ground doing the good work of producing grain to feed livestock and livestock to feed people. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. Um, the, the percentage of people involved in agriculture continues to get smaller and smaller, and folks get further and further removed from the farm. And I don't think the United States is terribly unique with that. It's a, it's a global phenomenon that as we've introduced technology into, into crop and animal agriculture, we see a lot of folks that have moved to the cities and they don't know anything about what we are doing on the farm, but social media gives us a way to connect with those people better than ever before, right? 50 to 100 years ago, we wouldn't have known what somebody in, in uh, you know, New York or, or Seattle thought about pig production because we didn't communicate with those people. But through Facebook and Twitter and all the other ways we have to communicate today, we can actually connect with those people, good, bad, or indifferent. That's right. And statistics, the last I've seen said that the American farmer represents about 3% of the U.S. population. That means we're feeding the other 97%. And we have other people out there that want to tell our story and may not present animal agriculture, especially in the best light. And so that's where we can get our story out there with minimal input. Most of us have our smartphones in our pockets, right? And we've already got that access to it. In those down moments, that's where we can pull up the social media avenues, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, a few others that are out there and give a slight brief blurb about who we are. And those that are interested in learning and truly learning and understanding where we're coming from will seek out those channels. It's just as simple as dropping a picture of you taking care of newborn pigs coming in or even we're pig vets as we put out there, but even a calf or something like that that shows how we're pushing those, um, the, how we're providing care for those animals and giving those updates, pushing those out to the American people and showing them that we're, we're not treating our animals unfairly or we're not participating in practices 
um, that would be seen in, in a negative light. The animal is such a great way to find common ground. Um, because even if people have never been to a pig farm before, they know what a pig is, right? And um, sure, they assume because they know what a dog or a cat is or, you know, whatever their pet is at home, that they can kind of um, transform that knowledge into the pig. But it does seem like the animal is a good piece of common ground. If nothing else, it's good clickbait because people like to see good pictures of animals, right? They get excited about that and they're willing to learn a little bit more when they see that. Yeah, and... And I think it's uh, in the in the pig world, especially where we've put animals inside, we've kind of become the wizard behind the the curtain, like the Wizard yep. of Oz. Yep. Um, it's hard to get into a sow farm or a finishing barn because you have to take a shower, and that's not something that the run of the mill people are willing to do. Um, I've even tried to convince my own parents to come visit on a hog farm and we grew up raising pigs, but I explained to them that they have to shower in to do it now and they tell me I know what pigs look like. So we yeah. can take, you know, a, a phone into the farm or a biosecure camera and we can kind of pull that curtain back a little bit and show them the day to day without having to take as much time if they're involved in it in a rural community, but maybe not in our standard practices today or as we started this conversation out, if they're in New York, in Chicago, and haven't been to a farm, won't have the opportunity to, um, may not even have transportation to drive outside the city. You know, a lot of them rely on mass transit, the bus, the train, things like that. So this gives us a little bit of a glimpse into our, our day to day. And we've certainly seen pages um, that portray animal agriculture and the benefits to it and the people behind it grow in the number of group members that are attending to those pages. And some of them are other farmers, other producers that want to see what their neighbors are up to. But some of them are teachers that are trying to find a way to incorporate where food comes from into their classroom and want to reach out to the people that are actually doing that for a resource. And I think that's great. And I had mentioned in my paper the biggest thing is we, we won't change everyone's mind and we understand that. And if, if you are set that consuming animal protein is not something that you wanna do in your lifestyle, we're not out there to change those people's minds, but even to get somebody to say, you know, I didn't realize that, or I'm thinking about that differently now is a huge step in letting them understand now the American farmer and the good that we're doing on a daily basis. You bring up a great point with, um, you know, the the era of farming that you and I grew up in. We're, we're from a similar um, uh, generation. We're both 25 years old, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, let's go with that. Yes. <laughs> but in all honesty, right, we're not old. But the, the farm situation we grew up with when we were kids is wildly different than the ones that our kids get to experience. You've got four wonderful kids. I have two wonderful kids, mostly from the mother side, but our kids together. I mean, I know my kids have combined. They're 10 years old and six years old. And I have pulled off getting them to a pig farm combined one time in their life, right? When, when I was 10 years old, I was going to farms all the time with my dad and lots of people had pigs. So even if you weren't, you know, in my situation where I had a, a dad that was a mixed animal vet and that's how I got to go to the farm, there was probably 10 to 20% of the kids in my class that were raising pigs at home because they had just had pigs on their diversified farm. We don't have that situation today. So we, even those of us within animal agriculture don't get to expose our children 
in person to the farm very much. Do you think, Dania, that, that social media is an avenue that we can help to bridge those gaps with kids in particular? Because while my kids don't go to farms, they can sure use an iPad very effectively. Well, that's what I was just going to say. iPads, tablets, smartphones, and we're finding children are, are getting these devices earlier and earlier. I'm fighting that at my own home right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they definitely have access to that. And, and right now, my kid's favorite is watching um, Minecraft and walking through those worlds with them. But yeah, if they can find our posts like this one or the, the other ones out there and they can see those cute baby pigs or those cute calves or chickens, that's going to that's going to draw them in and they're going to watch that. And they may even come to us and say, hey, mom, dad, look at this this video I found. And you're like, I know I live that every day, but yeah. you can do that from the comfort of their living room, their bedroom, yeah. wherever, but still get to see and experience. And um, like like you, my, my children, one of them has been twice and that's it. Whereas our pigs were right outside the front door. I could look at them anytime I wanted to by just mm-hmm. walking across the barn yard. So it's it's definitely a much different approach. And so to get those kids that our children or the next generation of swine vets interested, I think social media is going to be critical in that so that they can see and experience it before they really get to see and experience it firsthand. Well, I think one of the challenges we have with communicating our message, whether it's social media or anything, is the perception that farms are still a red barn and a silo, you know, out in the middle of a 40 acre field. And the reality is we've modernized our farms, right? We've used technology to come up with mechanical ventilation and specialized structures. And yeah, they're harder to see into, but they're better for the well-being of the pig. That's why we, that's why we do it. Um, children are amazingly adaptable. And my kids don't really have that perception of the of the the red barn out on the pasture as being the farm, right? So I think if we can show kids what a real farm looks like, and we can make that their normal, we won't have to battle that you know misinterpretation of what farming is really all about and what normal farming and agriculture looks like in those future generations. But we got to start early. We got to explain to them what animal agriculture is, and to your point, why we do it that way. Definitely all industries and production areas use technology to advance, to be able to make more with less, with less resources, to be more sustainable, to continue to produce a good, wholesome quality product for the people that are consuming that. And there are still farms with red barns, but, and that's okay. And they tend to sell more to niche markets and they, and then we have our, our standard. And that allows for us to be very uh, price competitive when we go to the grocery store. But it, explaining why, like, yes, you can buy this or you can buy that and giving the consumer a choice when they're, when they're there. But then explaining why that choice is available and that it's not, it's not bad. It doesn't mean the animals are treated any less than. In fact, those, those red barns, that's how I grew up. This time of year, so for, I don't know when this will air, but it's December leading into January. It's cold outside. It snows outside. We now have them in climate controlled barns. So both the farmer and the pigs don't have to go through those environmental changes, which ultimately can be, can be better care. 
So, you know, there's, there's things that are give and take in different situations and, and neither one, neither one of them is necessarily bad. They're just different and have different management strategies, but being able to show that and show that well through those avenues. Um, I think one of my favorite social media platforms, if I can, if I can put that out there is the farm hats page, which is made by a very close personal friend that I grew up with. And while we were still raising pigs in red barns and dirt lots, he was building wean to finish barns. And then he put on, we call him Mr. Farm Hats, but that farmers wear many different hats. So in the morning, he'd be doing pig chores in the afternoon. He's out there, you know, checking his row crops that will be eventually turned into feed for those pigs. And he was able to do a monthly photo shoot with his pigs um, and showed that eventually, you know, as they came in, he actually laid out on the concrete slats and took a cute little picture with the pigs, giving him a kiss. But eventually it got to be the point that when they go to, to market or close to it, they're 285 pounds. Like he was no longer, you know, he was kind of outside the, the gates, their free house, but um, bending over to kiss his pig because they weighed as much as he did at that point or a little bit more. Yeah. So I think that was kind of a cute way to, sh to show his followers, how those pigs grew and the difference from month to month, like how much weight those pigs gain in a very short amount of time. They usually go to market in 24 weeks. So, you know, four, four to five months later, you know, they're, they're heading out. And then he said, don't worry. He showed a clean and empty barn and started all over again with the next group that arrived. So I thought that was a very effective way to tell the story, show people how those pigs are being raised and those pictures, I mean, it's social media, right? We probably took the picture three or four times to make sure it looked great, but a few minutes later it was on and he went about his day, right? That's awesome. I think it's so cool people that get on and just, you know, they'd be transparent with uh, their story of agriculture. I always get hung up on trying to tell people, you know, what message is perfect for them, right? And that, that limits me sharing sometimes about just normal things in production that we find mundane or maybe not interesting, but, you know, let the user decide what's interesting, right? With social media, I would imagine through the clicks, we'll figure out with time what people want to see. And I always remember the, the one visit that I took my daughter to the pig farm. Um, I thought, you know, kind of like you were talking about the baby pigs and how cute they are. It was a, it was a sow farm that we went to. Um, and uh, we went there on Sunday afternoon when there weren't going to be a lot of people there. And it was just me and the sow farm manager and Nina, my, my daughter. And uh, we showered in, which was not a winning, a winning uh, move for dad. She did not think the shower was all that cool. Um, so that's something we can think about as we, we design our showers, maybe, maybe make them with people in mind. Um, but we got inside the farm and we went straight to the farrowing house. And I went to a litter of baby pigs that was being born. Um, you know, I, I kind of showed her what it was like to deliver a pig, really kind of took, took her back through some of my childhood stuff and what I thought was cool. And then I said, do you want to hold one of these baby pigs? And she looked at me and she went, nope. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh, that was my big plan, right? Like I really didn't have a plan B. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll, we'll go walk through the rest of the farm. And it was a pen gestation farm. So we were going to walk out to gestation and show her those animals. And we're walking through the hallways between farrowing and gestation. And she's got her little Walmart rain boots. That's what we bought to bring to the farm, right? Some little pink right. rain boots to wear around. And I noticed she was kind of dragging behind a little bit. And I said, Nina, you know, come on, we got to keep up. Um, and uh, she looks at me and she goes, oh, but daddy, I might step in poop. And I was like, that's okay, Nina, don't, you know, you can step in poop, that's fine. And she looked at me like, I can step in poop? 
And the, literally, that was when the, the visit became fun because she just started playing hopscotch from one poop pile to another because stepping in poop was so awesome because her mom will not let her do that at home, I have found out. So I got in trouble. For, I got in trouble for endorsing it, but I think it was worth it. And my point of that, that uh, long and boring story is that we don't know what people are going to find interesting. We may think it's the baby pig, right? We may think it's that cuddly thing. And I'm sure for lots of people it is, but don't hesitate to just put yourself out there. Here's what I'm doing. Here's, you know, here's, here's what's going on at the farm today. Cause you never know what the audience is going to connect with and connecting with people is our end goal. I think the more you try to explain it or overinterpret it, the less authentic it appears. I think that's really what grabs that person that's really trying to seek out what the American farmer does day to day. And it's not, it's gonna be the picture that grabs them in. And social media platforms like Facebook, you need to have that picture with the text because just plain, uh, a post with just a text message in it, mm-hmm. they tend to get in the algorithm that pops them up on your newsfeed, they get pushed to the bottom. We do find that those of us that use Facebook regularly, that when you put a picture with it, you get more likes, whether it's hearts, cares, you know, things like that. Um, the little thumbs up sign um, mm-hmm. originally that if that picture with it, and then that's where you can start the conversation on if any of your followers ask you questions about that pig or how long did it take to market if you didn't post it in, in the original comments. And even if it did, they still may not understand, you know, our, the, our lingo that we use day to day and ask for clarification in regards to that. You mentioned Facebook, Dania. Um, is that your, your flavor of choice for social media? Is that what you use most often or are there some other platforms you like to use? So personally, I'm on Facebook. Yes, I don't tend to use any of the other ones. I do find it can be overwhelming to have many. I think that's generational for us uh, (laughs) 25-year-olds. But uh, yes, I think that's that's the first one that I was introduced to. That's where I find um, similar uh, generational people are. But that's certainly not the only one out there. And I think as we bring the next generation on, as we incorporate them in the family farms, as they come back from college, they will gravitate to whatever the next social media platform is, because that's what their friends and family are using. And that's what they'll share out there. And that'll be the next thing that the New Yorkers, the Chicagoans, the San Franciscans are using that are in these big towns. And they'll find a way to reach them. And I also... I also think that you relate to those people within your age demographic as well. So we need the the older generation teaching the younger generation and making sure that they're out there advocating for what they do on a daily basis. And it it it's harder. Um, we do know a lot of the younger generations don't come back to farms, but as they do, I think that's one of the ways that they can continue to feel um, involved and not as isolated. I uh, know there's a, a group that they make parody videos while they're out on the farms, right? Yeah, the Peterson brothers. Yes, yes, and it's they're enjoyable and they're fun to watch. Yeah. and they get they get the they get the social media platform. I think they're on three different ones, honestly, but they get somebody tied in, mm-hmm. and then they 
it can have somebody start to answer those questions on, you know, what was that piece of machinery I saw in the back? What do you use that for? What crops do you grow? How long's the growing season? Any of those things to ask, get somebody to ask a question, show engagement, and then being able to reply back to those, those questions, I think advances the knowledge of the general public that 97% of the population and makes it less scary because we're all scared of the unknown. We don't know. So it must be, it must be scary and we don't know what's going on. And once we kind of peel back some of that and they realize that we're just people like them trying to go to work every day, our office just looks a lot different. It smells a lot different. We get to step in poop piles. Yeah, it's always fun, um, and 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 what that looks like on a daily daily basis. Just starting that communication, and if if social media is not your thing, but you happen to travel, I feel like us in the country, you'll find opportunities that we do travel to bigger cities. Mm-hmm. Even your, your elevator speech, right? Like maybe don't turn around and face the door next time. Face the people that are in your elevator. Introduce yourself and see what comes out of it. Have a three minute speech of, Hey, I'm a farmer. I raise pigs. And you know, what do you do? One, they'll think you're weird, which is okay. And they'll also think that you're not from around there, which is okay. Cause you're not. And, and you know, the elevator closes, you, you get off at the next floor and you go your separate ways and they may or may not think about animal agriculture again or grain farming again, but you've had a, a moment to impact somebody in a different space, a different time. Yeah, uh, agreed. And I'm I'm bad at social media, meaning that I typically am not involved in it. Um, I'm one of I think twelve people that has never been on Facebook, um, and now it's just like a point of pride. It's like my Casey's reward points. I'm never going to spend them because I'm just trying to stick with it as long as I can. Um, and I was talking to our, our partner Doug Growth the other day. He said he's really active on a, a social media platform called FarmersOnly.com. And I don't, I don't know a lot about that one, but um, Doug, if you're listening, we're all interested in farmersonly.com and we're going to check it out for you to learn a little bit more about it. You talked to Nia about, um, you know, the scary part of social media. Um, and I'm sure you connect with your, your vet school classmates that do small animal and people from different times in your life that don't know anything about agriculture. What do you find that they get interested in? You, you mentioned the likes or the thumbs up, you know, those sorts of things. What the, for the non-ag folks, where do you get the most interest and engagement when you put something ag-related out there? And I think it's the cute, the cute cuddly animal pictures. That's really where we probably get the most engagement. Yeah. I think uh, as as classmates, there there is still some uh, misconception because they don't do it every day, right? So it's an opportunity to to learn and train at a higher level. Uh, it's it's really probably the friends and family that aren't veterinarians, aren't pig vets that get to see those posts that um, that ask why we're doing something the way we're doing it. Um, it's our, it's our own company Facebook pages when you share them and then you watch them be shared by your friends and family as well. So Carthage Vet Service and Professional mm-hmm. Swine Management have their own. So sharing a pork recipe on how to properly prepare pork. And you can then see from your page how many times mm-hmm. it's been shared with others. Okay. Um, things like that are where 
and and then of course the, the pictures that go along with it right that grab that that user's attention and then with facebook it really is about the algorithm so it gets it popped up there further on their page what about the the downside of sharing right i mean i i not really active on social media, but even without being active on social media, I can appreciate the fear of the trolls coming after you, right? The cancel culture of, oh, you're a pig farmer, well, you're all bad, right? Um, whether it's destroying the, the environment through climate change or whatever the bugaboo is. Um, you got any tips for folks on the best way to handle what inevitably is going to be a negative reaction at some point? You just ignore it and know it's going to be there. Um, can, can you actually engage with those folks? Any ideas? I think you can engage with them in a point. You can acknowledge whatever their main concern is. But as I said earlier in this um, episode, there there is only so much. There is only so much. Um, we want them to think about something different, but we don't necessarily want to change their mind. If they've chosen not to consume animal protein, there's really, for whatever their hard-held beliefs are, they're their beliefs. We're not going to change that. So it's really just opening up to those that do already choose to eat animal protein and making them feel more secure in that decision. That's really going to be where we're going to be the most impactful. And yes, those trolls are out there from people that that's, they're just looking to pick a fight all day long. Yep. So I think you can, you can try commenting, but if it goes back and forth, you can actually turn off comments on certain posts if they're becoming too viable, at least on Facebook, which I'm most familiar with. And you can also block people if it becomes too aggressive. So if that individual poster is, is being way too aggressive, you can block them, remove them from that page. And that helps protect the rest of the community there if, if you're having trouble. Now that takes some time and you have to work, work through that. And you don't wanna just block them for the first comment because it may not, it may truly be just a misunderstanding, but if they're being aggressive, that's one way to handle it. I also find that if you have enough people in your post that are friendly to animal ag, you'll find people coming to your defense or answering that person's question. And so look for the helpers, look for the good people and work with them. And it's so easy to, to find the negative and internalize the negative, but don't, don't do it. Don't continue to engage in a tit for tat argument. That's just not, that's not productive. And that's really not what your advocacy approach should be about is changing their mind. You'll, you'll drive yourself crazy. Um, and that's, that's what I would say. And then as far as if, if you're in control of the page or just even control of your post on ag related pages, the things that you aren't comfortable sharing, um, you can definitely blur out. Um, you can be selective, make sure that your locations are turned off, that you're not sharing, you know, where you're located within a state. You can give a general region um, and you can be a little bit selective on the information that you share. If you have minor children that you don't want to share, you don't have to share them on Facebook. You can talk about them. I see a lot of my friends and family refer to their children by their first initial because they're concerned about their child's privacy or what type of privacy that children might that child might want to have as they become a young adult or an adult that mm -hmm. didn't want their image shared through there. So there are there are parents and um, posts that are cognizant of that where they may only show the back of a child instead of their face. Mm -hmm. So there are things like that that you can make an active decision as an adult to be active on Facebook and to screen those posts and to not engage with the the trolls out there that are going to be negative and most likely those negative negative trolls are trolls on everything even if they are not opposed to what you're saying they yep. just want to get a reaction so 
um, ignore those, engage those that are interested and, you know, you post what you're comfortable with. If you're not posting some comfortable posting something, that's the, that's the ease of social media. Just like you can pick the best picture out of the 20 you took, you can choose what to post that you're comfortable sharing about your farming operation. Yep. And if all else fails, Dania, just tell them they missed the point. That always helps. Always. Always. When, when in doubt. Yeah. I think you bring a great point that, you know, most of those folks that are that are being trolls, they're just doing it to be trolls, right? They're just being negative for being negative sake. And if they truly are, you know, uh, very anti what we do, they're not our consumer base anyway, right? Everybody's entitled to their opinion. But I always joke that, um, you know, the tofu industry should have very little concern for my opinion of the tofu industry because I'm not a consumer. That's yeah. not what I go to the grocery store to get. So I can have an opinion. But they shouldn't build a business model around my opinion. And it's tough to do, but I think uh, we've got to kind of look through those same lenses at folks that have a negative opinion of animal agriculture. They're not the 80% of the people that we're targeting with our message. We're targeting people that are removed from the farm, but still very open to our message and are, and are active consumers of pork and other animal proteins. Very good. Dania, thank you very much for the time today. Um, I think we definitely set a record with our chat for the longest podcast recording so far, but you're, you're easy to chat with. And, and thanks for all that you do on social media and other media to represent, not just our business here at Carthage, but the entire uh, swine industry and animal agriculture. We're gonna go ahead and sign off here today, folks. Um, I do wanna thank Dr. Dania Clausen, partner and veterinarian and director of health for the Carthage system for, for being with us today. Thank you, Dania. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. I also want to thank uh, Jim and his team at swineweb.com. Uh, they've really helped us a ton to, to publish these and, and understand the podcast space. As I mentioned, I am uh, immature in my understanding of social media. And thanks to Jim and his team at SwineWeb for helping to get us to a point where we can develop these and push those out to you, the, the, the end recipient of the podcast. And if you haven't went and checked out swineweb.com, please do so. Um, not only can you find this podcast and, and our podcast there, but you can find a lot of other really interesting information about the industry. So this, with that, we will sign off. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Swine Doc Pod with Carthage. I'm Dr. Clayton Johnson. Have a great day.